0: Hello and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and movie adaptations. I'm Ian George.
1: And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing Paper Towns. Paper Towns was written by John Green and was published in 2008.
0: And the film adaptation, which came out in 2015, was directed by Jake Schreier.
1: (laughs) Uh, So this is a patron-requested episode, our lovely patron, Ertha, Asked us to do this episode.
0: Yes, uh, it is our first. Uh, John Green mm-hmm. adaptation that we are discussing. So yeah. I feel like that's kind of a long time coming.
1: Yeah. And if you're like, who's John Green? What's the big deal? Yeah, I, I guess
0: he's probably not as like, what was the last book he wrote? The Turtles All the Way Down? Yeah, he one? just
1: came out with a, a nonfiction book of okay. essays, Um, but it's not a YA title.
0: Yeah, Yeah,
1: he was he is and was a giant in the YA, the contemporary YA industry Um, from like the late 2000s, kind of to the mid 2010s. Yeah, and you know his first book, Looking for Alaska, got a lot of attention and praise. And then he came out with uh, a couple more books, this one included, and of course, The Fault in Our Stars, which is his most popular, yeah. and was turned this The Fault in Our Stars was turned into a movie before. This movie.
0: Yeah, which kind of surprised me because, like, I remember that movie coming out and Mm -hmm. being popular. But, like, this one kind of went under the radar a lot more, I feel. Yeah, Uh, So, yeah, I, I mean you know he was so popular and is still pretty widely well known mm-hmm. but probably more by people our age than like current teens, y- right yeah, current teens
1: yeah he and his brother do a lot of stuff on YouTube they've had podcasts like they're really active in a lot of different things and and they do a lot of stuff um so even though John is not really writing YA anymore or if he is it's Taking him a lot longer, which is fine. There's still a lot that he's doing, and he's very active.
0: Yeah, and his brother Hank Green is like on TikTok a lot and that kind yeah. of thing. So they're still pretty popular and active. Hmm. Um, but today we're discussing Paper Towns. Yes. Uh, one of his middle novels. Hmm. And let's let's get into it.
1: Yes. The story begins with our two main characters, uh, Quentin and Margot, Yes. But they are only nine years old at the time.
0: They're just wee. We tiny (laughs) children. I almost said lads, but. uh, And they, at this age, are neighbors. Mm -hmm. They play together. And they happen to come across a dead body in a park. Yes. Like, bloody. And it's a man who shot himself. Yeah. So, very intense. Very disturbing. Right off the bat.
1: Yeah. uh, The movie is just kind of like, oh, there's a dead body. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha (laughs) ha.
0: Yeah. uh, So... The book returns to this event like it's not traumatizing. Yeah. But the book kind of goes back to this in differing ways that we'll probably touch on later. Yeah. The movie, though, like never addresses this again. No. In any capacity. No. And when we finished watching the movie, (laughs) I'm like, if someone didn't read this book and they were like, thinking about this movie that they just watched, they probably would have been like,
1: what the fuck was up with that dead hey, guy? that
0: dead body at the beginning? <laughs> what was that about? That didn't have anything to do with this I story. I mean, it does
1: kind of showcase Margot liking a mystery and trying to find out more about the guy who died and everything. But but that's
0: a really intense way to set up that very simple idea. Definitely. Of like, this little girl (laughs) likes to be investigating and that kind of thing. So they find a man who shot himself.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It just
0: doesn't really work in the movie because it doesn't really tie in as strongly thematically, I'd say.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I am kind of upset at this guy for killing himself in a park. Like, do it in your house, man. Like... I,
0: <laughs> I... Yeah, I know. Just, like, leave a note or something and so people know where to find you. Like, yeah. I guess is the idea behind that, but, like, not in a park. Not
1: for two nine-year-olds on bikes to find you and traumatize them for the rest of their lives. Yeah,
0: not cool. <laughs> <laughs> There's also this really weird thing at the beginning of the movie that you and I were both confused on. Yeah,
1: we had to rewind the movie. Because...
0: When they're kids and they're sneaking out of their windows or looking at each other's windows, the way it's shot implies that they are like, the windows are right next to each other, right? Yeah,
1: because he can see into her window.
0: Yeah, like her window takes up the whole frame. It's not like him looking at her from a distance. It looks like she's right there. Yeah. And then now they're adults or, you know, teens, Mm -hmm. and he sees her getting picked up for a Halloween party, and it's across the street. Yeah. And we were like, wait, weren't they side by side and not across the street? Yeah. (laughs) And there was nothing we could find rewinding it that, like, explicitly made it seem like they were side by side. It's more just implied by the filming. I just think it's interesting how, like. A very subtle and, like, not important thing like that. Yeah. Like, your spatial understanding of... Where things are. Yes. Yeah. Can be so affected Mm -hmm. if it's not done right.
1: Well, and also in the book, they live side by side. So there's the expectation of the book as well.
0: Oh, right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I forgot that was true for the book as well. And maybe Mm -hmm. that added to the confusion. But, like, yeah, simple little things like that in filmmaking. Yeah. Which I think, like... People who are just starting off like that takes a long time to like figure out how important it is mm-hmm. can just <laughs> completely distract you if it's off.
1: I am willing to bet that something was changed partway through.
0: Well, and I want because I read something on IMDb about that changing. Like, yeah. And I couldn't tell if it was official or like just a mistake that made it look like they were beside each other. But I, I would also bet that something changed at
1: mm-hmm. some point. Let's go to school. Um, So Quentin and Margot are in their senior year of Mm -hmm. high school. And Quentin is just your average guy. And he has two best friends, Radar and Ben.
0: Yes. Uh, Radar named for his uh, thick framed glasses, which he doesn't have in the book. But yeah, uh, based off the MASH character, Mm -hmm. Uh, he's very nerdy. He basically... Omnictionary isn't a real thing,
1: right? No, I think it's a Wikipedia standard. I also,
0: yeah, figured it was Wikipedia, (laughs) even though there's, like, comments or something involved with it. But uh, he's just kind of a nerd who likes keeping up with that kind of thing. He, Mm -hmm. like... uh,
1: He writes computer programs.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And his parents also have the... (laughs) largest collection of black Santas in the United States (laughs) and it like has kind of like ruined his social life a little like he has a girlfriend but he can't invite her over because she doesn't know about the black Santas
1: and they're everywhere I thought it was funny too that the book mentioned that the person who had the second largest collection was in Pittsburgh
0: yes I thought that was funny too and there's like
1: a storyline where the parents have to like take off at one point because the person who had the second largest collection died and they're trying to like snatch up the rest The yeah. Black Santas.
0: <laughs> I did think it was weird, though, because when that happens in the book, he has a party. Yeah. With like 20 some people over. And I'm like, is it not a secret that your family has the Black yeah. Santas or is it? Yeah. Because it didn't seem like a big deal. Like, oh, I'm finally going to let people know about this. No. That was just. But a then he bit, wasn't
1: telling his girlfriend. Yeah.
0: But his girlfriend somehow didn't know. Yeah. Just kind of an odd decision there in, in the book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. Ben. 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 Uh, is a very obnoxious character.
1: Yeah, he's definitely the comic relief.
0: Or supposed to be. Or supposed to
1: be in this book and movie. He keeps calling women honey bunnies.
0: That was maybe the
1: most annoying thing. Yeah, about I'm him. like But he's 18. I don't think
0: It is <laughs> It's realistic in a lot of ways to how what an 18-year-old finds funny. Yeah. And, like, the jokes that they would make Mm -hmm. about, like, wanting to, like, bang your mom and, like, kind of being just cringy and, like, not actually that funny, but. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, like, accurate in a way to how an 18-year-old would be, but also very grating.
1: Very uncomfortable. Yes. (laughs) Uh, His nickname is Bloody Ben because he had a kidney infection when he was younger and blood, because that's what happens apparently when you have a kidney infection. Um, and Becca, one of the popular girls, started a rumor that the blood was from uh chronic masturbation, <laughs> which like is so mean. Oh, it's
0: awful. Like
1: this poor kid, he must have been in so much pain. Oh my god, for yeah. a kidney infection. And then people just go around saying, like, bloody Ben, chronic masturbator, mm-hmm. and he's like, I could have died.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite little, like, jokes in the book that wasn't even addressed, but, uh, they instant messaged each other a lot because it was, what, 2007 or something when the book was written, and Ben's (laughs) username is, it was a kidney infection, (laughs) which really cracked me up, I thought that was really funny.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the three of them have been best friends forever. Yeah. They, you know, kind of have a dynamic going on, you know, Ben is the comic relief uh, Q or Quentin is just kind of, like, the normal kid, and Radar's the nerd. Yeah. Uh,
0: I actually really like their rapport in the movie. Mm-hmm. I think Austin Abrams, who plays Ben, and uh, Justice Smith, who plays uh, Radar. Yeah. There's a lot of banter between them. And it's not always, like, rolling on the floor funny. Yeah. But, like, it, it feels natural and, like, watching them interact. Like, there's a funny scene where Ben is... Telling this obviously fake story about hooking up with a girl. Oh yeah, at at camp. His, at, at or at his cousin's <laughs> yeah. house, and his friends just know it's a lie and just keep asking him for more details and kind of like misrepresenting what he's saying. And it's like a it's a pretty good scene. Yeah,
1: I like that. Uh,
0: and there's multiple scenes like that in the movie that I think just flesh these characters out and their dynamics a little bit. Yeah. But Q is definitely just so fucking boring
1: yeah i mean i think the point is for him to be boring but i think the book and movie take it too far right
0: especially the book (laughs) and i mean it's just the nature of books and movies like movies can get away with that more because they have to be more kind of conservative with like what they spend time on Mm -hmm. so if he had hobbies and stuff in the book like it probably couldn't devote as much time to them anyway yeah you don't
1: expect it in the movie as much
0: no in the movie his character kind of has to embody this like theme just more directly Mm -hmm. in terms of his like obsession with finding Margot. but in the book like he's he becomes so obsessed with finding Margot, and i'm just like what What else else do you have what else is going on right now (laughs) q come on there's got to be something do you like music you you read a (laughs) little like video games yeah come on there's got to be something man that you enjoy doing but there's just like nothing to him
1: yeah it it really gets tiring after a while for sure and
0: it it, i think it hurts the book a little bit that he's just so plain
1: i agree and like i think you can take the everyman character too far and I think this book does that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) We need to mention, though, the popular kids. Yeah. um, That Margot hangs out with because she's cool.
0: Yes. There is Margot, obviously, who, like, just has this, you know, at this point in um, Q and Margot's life, they don't hang out anymore. Margot's very popular, and he's not so much. She hangs out with all the cool kids, and there's this air of mystique around her. There's all these stories about her.
1: Wild adventures. Yeah,
0: getting into, like, uh bands like backstage and uh hanging out with people in the movie they're like she was with a circus for a <laughs> while. Yeah. And I think the movie does something smart where the book also talks about how she disappears mm-hmm. sometimes for extended periods of time. And like the movie kind of ties that into her adventures more. Yeah. Whereas the book they feel kind of like separate things.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um but she hangs out with her boyfriend Jace
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Chuck? Chuck. Chuck, yeah. Yes. And Becca. And Lacey. And Lacey. Mm-hmm. And they're all just the the attractive, cool kids. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. What the fuck does Margot see in Jace? I don't know. Like, Jace just comes across as, like, the most stereotypical high school popular jock
1: Yeah, so why is bully. she dating him if she's, like, I know. so much cooler than everybody? She's
0: always, she's, like, later on railing against, like, uh, the fucking... <laughs> paper-thin veneer of our lives society. and society. And I'm just like, what are you? You're dating, like, the high school quarterback or yeah, whatever he is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I, it's just odd. Like, I feel like some of that could have been explained a little bit. Yeah. Or Jace could have been given, like, a tiny bit more dimension.
1: I agree. It's not really explained at all. Um, But we kind of kick the story into high gear when – Quentin and Margot go on a night of revenge and yes. adventure.
0: Margot shows up in Quentin's window like she used to when they were younger. Mm-hmm. In the book, she is unfortunately... Uh,
1: in blackface? In
0: blackface.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, blinking, you'll miss it in the book. Our our patron actually like emailed us about it and was like, I did not remember this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just kind of mentioned that she has black paint all over her face and she's in a black hoodie to like be undercover and like later on in their adventure night she takes it off so i don't know what the point of it was
0: i think to sneak out of her house okay it's one of those things <laughs> where like i think if you saw it yeah you'd be like ooh
1: <laughs> when you're writing it you're like black paint on her face yeah right. that
0: makes sense right Camouflage. You, like, you don't really have to think about it too much yeah and so yeah i mean thankfully the movie did not make this mistake of <laughs> the actually movie
1: was like no <laughs> depicting
0: this um but she tells q she's like listen i have an 11 step or nine step plan depending on the version uh and i need you your help and specifically your car yes and he at first is like, uh, it's a school night. I don't want to get in trouble, mm-hmm. like blah, blah, blah. And she gives him some speech about living in the moment or something. And he's like, <laughs> okay. Also, I'm like really into you. Yeah. <laughs> even though I say that I'm not. So I- I'll join you.
1: <laughs> she also lets him know that she found out her boyfriend Jace has been cheating on her with one of her best friends, Becca. Mm -hmm. Her friend Lacey knew about it, um, and I guess she doesn't like Chuck either. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So she is going on a night of revenge against all her friends, and she wants Quentin to join her.
0: They first stop at a uh, Walmart-type place where Mm -hmm. they buy a myriad of items for their night of revenge. And (laughs) this is kind of them kind of reconnecting also yeah uh q is talking about his plans of going to college and then becoming a doctor and getting married and having kids and all this stuff and yeah uh margo is like whoa like (laughs) 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 that's that's a lot to be thinking about at your age isn't it yeah kind of showing their differing viewpoints at the moment
1: yeah she's very much like live in the now be happy now um why plan for later when you can just you know, live in the moment and experience the moment. I feel like both uh, thinking the ways that either of them are thinking is like deeply flawed. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, on one hand, it's like very not optimist, idealist or something, yeah. or like just kind of, yeah, just live for the now. And like a high schooler could think this way. Yeah. And that makes sense. But um, I think this also leads into a discussion on, does Margot fall into the trope of a manic pixie dream girl? Yeah. Meaning a girl who is just this free spirit and her entire um purpose s- purpose is to motivate the male protagonist mm-hmm. to like be better or be more Break adventurous. Break out of his boring life. And I would say yes at this point in the story. Yes. She very much fits into that role, but Mm -hmm. I think that's intentional, and I think the story plays with that for sure, especially by the end.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely revisit this, but it's something to be thinking about as you're listening to this and something that we're thinking about as we talk about this story.
0: I still think she's, like, unrealistic, though, like, even though the book is setting this up intentionally for Mm -hmm. a payoff later... I'm still like, this isn't a person. No. And also, (laughs) I would hate this person. I know. I'm like, she would get so tiring (laughs) so quickly.
1: Yeah. And you know, something I noticed when I was reading the book was that she doesn't really ask him anything about himself. No. And he's asking her questions like about, you know, Jace cheating on her, about what the plans are for the night, like what she's all about. But she's not giving anything back to him. No. And I really do feel like, I don't know, like she's not a good person.
0: No. No, (laughs) I completely agree with that. Yeah. And like, we find this out later, but they get revenge on Lacey. And it turns out Lacey didn't even know about the cheating. Yeah. And... Margot could have found that out if she had talked to her about it.
1: Yeah, instead she puts a dead fish in her car. Yeah,
0: or Saran wraps her car like <laughs> yeah. in the movie. But yeah, yeah, I mean, Margot is definitely a flawed character, and I do think that is addressed in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I just can't tell... How much it's actually criticizing her or not. Because it still feels like it is feeding into this fantasy.
1: In some ways. In
0: some ways, even at the end. Yes. Like it never fully feels like it deconstructs this idea. I
1: know. I think it tries to. Yeah. But it doesn't quite. Nail it. And, I mean, when you think about the stuff that she's doing also, like, yeah, somebody cheated on her and, like, she has a right to be angry about it. But, like, the way that she is so maliciously punishing her (laughs) friends and she takes pleasure from it is, like, really messed up, honestly.
0: Let's talk about the first thing. (laughs) She goes – now, this first part is, like, kind of funny. Yeah. And kind of well thought out. They use a car steering wheel lock on Jace's car because he's yeah. parked outside of Becca's, mm-hmm. and so and she has the key to it. And he left his car unlocked, so that's in place. Yeah. And then she makes a call, or Q makes a call to Becca's house, mm-hmm. informing her dad that Becca is in the basement having sex, <laughs> which leads Jace to having to escape. Run right out the window. Uh in the he is in his boxers in the movie he is just butt naked (laughs) and then when he can't get in his car they surprise him and take a photo of him
1: yeah they get his dick they get his
0: dick in there (laughs) and proceed to make fun of his small dick yeah so yeah so they (laughs) have they now have blackmail evidence of a nude photo of him
1: yeah then they go back they go into the basement yes Becca is being yelled at by her parents and that's when they put the fish in there Um, And then uh, the dad finds out that they're down there and uh, shoots a gun at them. Yeah. So there's that.
0: Or just shoots it in the air. Yeah. I think it's dependent on the version. But here's my question. Q is so worried about getting caught. Yeah. But Margot is like literally signing her name. I know. At every (laughs) house. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm like. Put on a ski mask or something. Like, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> yeah. Cute? Like, why do you? <laughs> you should be worried about this because she's signing her name everywhere.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess Margo. Margo is going to like everybody. Everybody knows it's going to be Margo. But like. I don't know if people would have known that Quentin was involved.
0: Yeah, I mean, he still might be safe, but, like, wouldn't you be, like, really concerned to be with her? And she's so (laughs) not caring about any of the consequences Yeah, that she's, like— Signing her name. I mean, it kind of foreshadows what happens later when she disappears. Yeah. Like, the idea that she wouldn't care. I
1: mean, she's really burning all her bridges here. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but,
0: like— in Q's mind, she's still going to go back to school and, like...
1: And be like, hey, guys. What's
0: up? <laughs> yeah. So after Jace's house, they then go to Lacey's. Yeah. Where they throw a fish in her car or saran wrap her car. Mm-hmm. Then they actually, in the book, go back to Jace's
1: house. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and she throws a fish... Through the window.
1: Breaking the window. Breaks the
0: window. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, security alarms go off and they have to, like, make an escape. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then they go to the uh, downtown building, Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're in Orlando, Florida. That's the setting for this story in both the book and the movie. And they go to this really cool building downtown. A bunch of offices are there. Margot knows the security guard, so they're able to go up to one of the offices and just look down on the city.
0: Yeah. And... You know, Q makes a passing comment about it being beautiful, which Margot kind of scoffs at and Mm -hmm. is like, really? And she goes on to talk about how it's paper towns and full of paper people on paper streets. and Yeah. Like no one. She says no one cares about anything that matters. Mm -hmm. This is the kind of stuff that like I just kind of (sighs) like.
1: Yeah. just get like.
0: Annoyed with this because I'm like, okay, Margo, you're the only one who cares about anything <laughs> that matters. Because you read poetry. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no one, like, everyone should just be breaking into SeaWorld, like, every night of the week. Yeah. Like, what are you saying? It's
1: it's almost like she wants people to prove to her that they're real.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is actually
1: a, a sociopathic way to think. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. I mean, later she says that she felt like paper, too, but in this scene, it kind of comes across that she feels just that she's better than everybody else.
0: Yeah, because it's like, on one hand, she's acting like uh, nobody cares about the things that matters, and I'm doing the things that matter, or whatever. Yeah. But, like, if other people started doing what she was doing, like, you know she would probably be pissed about it, because it's like it's her thing.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: it's what she set, like, in her mind, what sets her apart. hmm And I think, like, there's kind of a self-absorbed kind of angle to that
1: definitely in the movie this is where the two of them end up dancing together yeah and it seems kind of sweet and romantic and then they go home and Quentin kind of feels like hopeful for the next day that like they'll be able to hang out and be friends and maybe something will happen with the two of them it happens a little it goes a little differently in the book because we have like another adventure for them to go on
0: for some reason (laughs) In this night of revenge, she's, like, also, let's break into SeaWorld. <laughs> and they have to, like, cross, a like... A moat? A moat. She and- gets
1: bit by a snake?
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then they get caught, which she knew would happen, and she also knew that, like, yeah. they just wouldn't care.
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with them skipping this in the I movie. Know.
0: You know what's funny, though? The reason... And, like, I was, like, yeah, this makes sense to, like, not do. Mm-hmm. But they said the real reason or part of the real reason they did this was that, um around this time the movie was being made was when the documentary Blackfish came out. Oh, yeah. Which was just a scathing look at SeaWorld and their treatment of animals and <laughs> yeah. they're like,
1: maybe we shouldn't. Maybe p- don't put SeaWorld in the SeaWorld movie. Sea <laughs> World in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I actually think it's like a much tighter storyline here without the SeaWorld thing. For like sure. it just seems like an almost Indiana Jones-esque. Like they're crossing the moat and <laughs> yeah. the snake bites her and I'm like, what's happening? I
0: and it's unrelated to like anything else that's going on with the revenge. Yeah. yeah. It's just like totally unnecessary. <laughs> uh so, yeah, so they kind of part mm-hmm. when they get back home. She gives him, at least in the film, like a, a big hug. Yeah. And he is clearly just like in complete love with her at this point.
1: <laughs> and he's like, you can sit with us at lunch tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, okay. okay.
0: <laughs> and of course, she's not at school the next day, which mm-hmm. like at first he's like, yeah, this is fine, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't take very long Until he finds a reason to blackmail Jace with the nude photo of him.
1: Yeah. In In, the movie, it's just Jace, like, kind of threatening to beat him up the next day. Yeah. And he pulls out the phone and is like, that's your dick. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Do you want this shown to the world? It's very tiny. Yeah.
0: And that, I guess, is enough to uh, handle the situation. Yeah. In the book, though, like, they ran over a bunch of bikes that belonged to, like, band kids. And he used... The photo to um, have, blackmail him into, like, yeah. paying the kids off.
1: And, like, have Jace, like, rein in Chuck and, like, his other cronies. Oh, we forgot about the Chuck eyebrow scene.
0: Oh, my God. We completely skipped how, that.
1: How do we forget that? Yeah. There's they,
0: just so I mean, it's it's a nine-step, 11-step plan, <laughs> Adina. There's a they, lot. The uh,
1: veet or nair uh, <laughs> off uh, Chuck's eyebrow.
0: Yeah. It's great. And in the book, this is, like, four q yeah she's like this isn't related to my revenge but like i know chuck was an asshole to you so like let's go get some revenge on him yeah Um, and it (laughs) it is it is pretty funny it's It's, great (laughs) (laughs) and they vaseline like the doorknobs i know that's so funny either um yeah so q but like there's a scene later in the book where jace and q post blackmailing and everything show up to his house Oh, Jason Chuck, you mean. Jason Chuck. Yeah, Yeah. sorry. Show up to Q's house. And they're like, hey, man... That that took some balls, what you did.
1: Blackmailing us. Blackmailing us
0: and <laughs> and shaving my eyebrow off and like, you're okay.
1: And I'm like, what the hell is happening? I'm like, what the fuck
0: is happening? Like, nobody would, would do this or say this. Like, nobody sees themselves as the asshole. No. Like, they would be the victim. They would see themselves as the victim, obviously. Yeah. So this part was just so kind of hokey. It did, it was weird, though, because reading this, I didn't know where the story was going completely. I knew she disappeared. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, maybe her disappearing or their night inspired him to live in the moment the way she did. Yeah. And now he's going to, like, use that motivation in his, like, final weeks of high school. Yeah. Like, he does kind of, you know, getting Jace to pay for those kids' bikes, that kind of thing. Like, Robin Hood this shit. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, that's like literally the only time he does he anything. He just decides to
1: get obsessed with Margot. Yeah. And
0: then the rest of the story is like <laughs> totally different.
1: Yeah. He realizes soon after that Margot is not just like skipping school, she's actually missing. And uh, there's a detective that ends up coming over to his house to ask him if he has seen her or if he knows where she is. Um, and Margot's parents are there and are saying, you know, this is the fifth time she's run away. She's 18 now. We're not going to file a missing persons report. We're basically giving up on her and we don't care about her anymore. Pretty,
0: pretty heavy. <laughs> but then again, I, I don't think margaret has been the easiest child to no. rear. And so they're like, she's 18. I mean, and like they talk a lot of shit on the parents in the story. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, I mean, I don't know how much of it's like, like, yeah, it's probably not the best thing for Margot. Yeah, but
1: like, why is she running away? Yeah. You know, why does she feel like she needs to leave everything behind, including her family? Yeah. Like, that just doesn't come out of nowhere.
0: No, but they should address what's actually going on. Yeah. Like, was, were her parents like verbally abusive to her? Or just like extremely neglectful? Mm -hmm. Or like, get into that like a little bit. Like. Yeah,
1: it feels like the book is just sort of like, yeah, they're assholes. But that's as far as we go with it.
0: Yeah, it doesn't dive any deeper into that. And I agree there in real life, there would be more to that. uh, But we don't get any more info.
1: We do find out, though, that usually when Margot goes missing, she leaves clues behind, Mm -hmm. whether for her sister or for her parents or just kind of for anybody. She does like to leave little messages um, as hints to where she's gone. And... Around this time, Q ends up seeing a poster in her window um, and decides to investigate, pays off her sister, Ruthie, yeah. and goes over to check out Margot's room to find out if this is a clue that she's left for him.
0: So uh, they're going through her room and her stuff, and they discover like she has tons of vinyl records, mm-hmm. and uh, they discover uh, the, what's his name? Woody uh, Guthrie. Woody Guthrie. They discover his album, and one of the songs is circled, which leads them to a Walt Whitman poem, Book Mm -hmm. of Poems, Leaves of Grass, which is very famous. And in this book are different passages that are highlighted. Mm -hmm. So they think they're on to... A uh, string of clues that Margot has intentionally left behind.
1: Yeah, and Q is looking into this. Uh, ben and Radar are kind of along for the ride too. It feels kind of like an adventure, and they're trying to figure things out together. Um, but of course, Q is like just so obsessed with finding Margot, and like specifically in this story, he kind of believes that she left this clue, these clues, so that he can prove himself to her
0: yeah and
1: that he can prove that he's worthy to be with her
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so he's definitely uh hitting this pretty hard you know (laughs) around this time in the story uh the character of Mm lacy is really introduced she approaches q at school to talk about Margot, yeah and tells him that like was Margot upset with me because mm-hmm. she fucking left a <laughs> fish in my car? Was she upset with me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's a little bit of a mixed message. Uh, but she was like, I didn't know that Jace was cheating on her. Yeah. And she, in fact, broke up with her boyfriend because mm-hmm. he knew and didn't tell her. Yeah. So, like, this whole thing is very upsetting for her. Mm-hmm. And she wants to know where Margot is and is angry that, like, Margot thinks – these things about her. Yeah.
1: And she's worried about her too. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing in the movie. I think the casting for this movie is really good, especially because I think all the kids look like high school kids. They do. Um,
1: especially Ben and Radar.
0: Yes. They yeah. really look like high school seniors. Uh-huh. Like they look like that's the age that's how you look at that age for the most part. Yeah. It's funny because we just talked about normal people last episode and we kind of ripped that <laughs> one. Uh, for them
1: not looking like yeah, they Yeah, for them 18. being
0: grown ass adults. <laughs> so I appreciated that. However, Lacey looks like she's 10 years older than everyone else.
1: I know. <laughs> and like, yes, girls are always hotter in high school than yeah. the boys. Absolutely. And most of that is just because men do not know how to put on clothes and some some of them never learn no no Um. (laughs) it is a struggle like it's not
0: it's nothing that like we ever we don't have as many outlets for figuring that out i'd say but like like i don't actually think the actress was that much older probably than them but like between just like her looks and like just the hair being immaculate Mm -hmm. and the makeup and i'm like she looks like a grown-ass woman And her talking with Ben and I know, him being he's the trying love to hit interest, on her. I'm like, it feels very off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't quite buy it.
0: It's not quite working for me. Uh there is a line in the Walt Whitman poem about mm-hmm. removing the knobs of the doors off and the and doors then, from the jams. Yes. <laughs> get those doors out of you the know, jams. Get
1: get them jammed out of there. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: and at first he thinks this is alluding to something being hidden in the door jam of Margot's room, mm-hmm. but they go back and check, and that there's nothing there. Only for him to discover, oh no! Of course, Margot broke into my room <laughs> and left a clue in my door jam Yeah, and this clue is an address.
1: Yes, and this address is an abandoned strip mall, which they refer to as a mini mall uh in the
0: book. Maybe it's a colloquial thing. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's, that's, just that's what they a term. Call them there.
1: Um, but yeah, it's just like a few different shops, you know connected to each other like a strip mall, but completely abandoned and boarded up and disgusting.
0: This part of the book was interesting to me because there's a sudden change when they get there in their mood. Because at first you're like, what adventure is Margo on? Where are we going to find her? Yeah, because Q, clues? of course,
1: brings his friends. Yeah, yeah. where
0: are the clues going to take us? And then they get to this crummy-ass mall. Mm-hmm. And there's like a stench yeah. there when they first get there in the book. And suddenly they're like, oh, shit. Like, they, the idea is planted in their head that, like, what if Margot killed herself? Yeah. And what if these clues are leading us to where she did it? hmm And this, like, sudden realization. And this ties into when they found the body in the park at the beginning. Yeah. So this is kind of how... This idea that maybe Margot was suicidal ties into, like, the suicide man they found at the beginning of the story. So that's kind of how it's worked in, more in the book. Yeah. The movie doesn't touch on this at all. No,
1: they go to the mini mall and they're like, cool, let's just break in. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But I like the darker tone the book takes here of it suddenly feeling more serious. And them... Considering the idea yeah. that this situation's more serious.
1: Yeah, and they find a dead raccoon, and, you know, Margot's body is not there. But this idea that the clues may be leading to her body is something that Quentin continues to struggle with. Yeah. There's a clue in the mini mall, and it's just you know, graffiti on the walls. In the book, it's been painted over. In the movie, it's still on the wall. And it says, you will go to the paper towns and you will not come back or you will never come back.
0: Super creepy. Super
1: creepy. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Quentin is researching what paper towns are. And he thinks that they are like uh, subdivisions and kind of suburban areas that never get built. So he's like researching them. He's driving to try to find these places. And he truly believes that, her body is there somewhere. Yeah. Like, he has to find it. And she left this for him so that he could find her body. And he feels like he's letting her down. And he's, like, grieving her.
0: Yeah. It's It's really messed up. He really, like, it's it's not just the possibility that she killed herself. It almost kind of becomes, like, the default theory at that point, which is very sad. Um, Let's just address here. So I liked that first mini mall scene. yeah. I did not like the following five mini (laughs) mall scenes, though, that we get as the book and story continue.
1: Yeah, they just keep coming back here to find more stuff like they don't they find one thing each time they go. Yes. Instead of just like finding everything.
0: And there's like not much there. Like it doesn't like they think that. Um, Margo was staying there for a bit mm-hmm. and they do find some small clues alluding to that they find like some travel books like a couple yeah. of maps like there's a few things there but ultimately and like Hugh, I think starts to develop like an attachment to the place is like some kind of connection to Margo yeah but I'm like I am getting so tired <laughs> of reading about this fucking mini mall
1: yeah and he keeps going back and he keeps wanting to drag his friends back there too he ends up In the book, not going to prom and instead deciding to sleep in this abandoned mall on prom night alone. Yes,
0: (laughs) because he thinks she still might be living there. Yeah. And he's like, if I wait for her, I might like find her coming back. Yeah. This part of the book was so depressing. I know. And like very almost just like a disturbing Kind of thing for Q to do, yeah. Like to be that antisocial, mm-hmm. like he's so against prom, yeah, for kind of no reason. Mm-hmm. And then he doesn't sp- want
1: to go to the parties that his friends no. are going to, and then he's like,
0: I'd rather spend all my time alone, yeah, in this abandoned mini mall, yeah, by myself with the rats <laughs> and sleep here than spend time.
1: With with my friends friends.
0: or just people in high school Mm because he like seems to almost despise them. Yeah. Like, it's just a very disturbing kind of antisocial behavior. And I'm not saying like, oh, if you don't enjoy prom, then like you're (laughs) messed up or anything. Like, like, I'm not saying that. But like, he takes it so far. And at the end of the day, I'm like, as an adult looking back, I'm like, what would I probably regret more? Uh, Going to a party that isn't fun. Yeah. Or, like, missing out on, like, formative, like, experiences. Yeah. And time spent with friends and stuff. Yeah. The answer is the the latter.
1: <laughs> or getting uh, bitten by a rat or um, somebody, uh, like, a junkie, like, yeah. coming in Finding to shoot me. up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah.
0: It, it, it's just very odd. <laughs> and weird, and like, I don't like it. And I don't think the book ever adequately addresses, like, how weird his behaviors are towards high school and things like
1: that uh in the movie it's not prom night it's just his friends are gonna go to a party and instead he decides to spend the night in the mini mall and he ends up having a dream in the movie that Margot is there in like a prom dress and that she kisses him
0: yeah and she says like you're so sweet. You've always been so sweet. I kind of like how this plays out. It's like so obviously like this. I just know. Fantasy of what he imagines her to be. Like, I think it gets that idea across really well that like. Yeah. He's pursuing his idea of Margot. Mm mm-hmm. uh, Unfortunately, his friends <laughs> will will not just let him hang out at Pete in be peace. Be moody. Being moody.
1: <laughs> They're like,
0: come to this party and drive us home. We're shit faced. Yeah. So he he. <laughs> Begrudgingly goes to this house party. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben has become the party animal Yes, uh, man of the night. He's
1: a keg-standing miracle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I loved in the movie, because in the book Radar is also somewhat drunk, yeah. but in the movie Radar is just awkwardly standing around and he's holding this <laughs> unopened can of beer, just like not...
1: And later he tells his girlfriend Angela, he's like, <laughs> I, I had beer. I mean, I held a beer. I, I held an unopened it. beer. <laughs> he's like
0: confessing yeah. that he held an unopened beer in a party. It was really funny. And... Q is just like, I don't want to be here. Where's a dark basement that I can go and lay down in and think about Margaret? And like, be
1: moody again. That's
0: literally what he thinks in the book. <laughs> like he just wants to like go to a dark, secluded place.
1: Yeah. After um peeking in a bedroom where Jace and Becca are having sex.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Yeah. Cool. He
1: moves on and ends up in the bathroom peeing, only to find out that Lacey is in the bathtub.
0: <laughs> kind of a funny situation. And he ends up joining her in the bathtub. And she kind of is expressing her frustrations with her friends yeah. and specifically, I think, in the movie talking about how she's frustrated that, like, people only think of her as being, like, uh, attractive and, yeah. like, nothing else about her.
1: Yeah, and, like, she's really smart and, you know, is going to a good school. And I think this is a moment, you know, in both the book and the movie where you Q and Lacey are connecting more and we're seeing more to Lacey's character. And also she's talking about like, you know, feeling like she's really worried about Margot and doesn't know why she ran away and like feeling kind of bad for Lacey. Yeah. I'm wondering, you know, cause Margot called Lacey a bad friend, but you're like, I mean, Margot's also kind of a bad friend to Lacey, right? For
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I liked this scene a lot. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. Like in the movie, she's like, why do people only like me? Because I'm super attractive. There's so many other reasons to like me. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel you and I get it, but it's still kind of funny. <laughs> um, ben, also in the movie, tries to tell Lacey how much he actually likes her yeah. before he throws up into a vase <laughs> at the party, which is a pretty funny moment. Um, but yes, and then uh, Q has to give them a ride home.
1: Yes, But um, in the movie, they end up going back to the mini mall. And, like, it happens a little bit differently in the book and the movie. But basically, they all end up at the mini mall again, Lacey included, and figure out that, you know, Margo had this map on the wall and end up placing these little map pins and figuring out kind of the general area where she was headed.
0: Yes. Like her route, essentially, Mm -hmm. and it ending at a town in New York Upstate New York called Aglo. Aglo. Aglo, yes.
1: (laughs) I keep wanting to say algo.
0: I know, and now you planted that in my brain. (laughs) Aglo.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they like look it up online and find out the history of this idea is really interesting. I love
0: this so much. Um
1: the idea of a paper town being um, map mapmakers putting fake towns on their maps so that nobody will copy their maps. Yeah. And, and if sell they it. do,
0: yeah. it'll be like, hey, you put this town in your map that doesn't exist. Yeah. Pay up. <laughs> <laughs> we caught you. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's just like a really interesting kind of historical idea. Mm-hmm. So they find out that Aglo is kind of a famous paper town on yeah. maps that doesn't exist and this ties into uh the message that Margot wrote about like uh you will go to the paper towns yeah and this whole thing ties together and so they're like very certain like she's here Mm -hmm. this is where she's at
1: yeah the timing of this event is different in the book and the movie like we were saying but like what's interesting in the book is that There's a comment on this omnictionary, which is like this Wikipedia kind of copy thing in the book where they can tell it's Margot has left this comment on the Algo page and says like, I will, like, I'll be here basically until this date at this time. Yeah. And then I won't be there anymore. And so in the book, Quentin is like, we have to try to drive there now and catch her because... Like, that deadline is really fast approaching.
0: Yes. In the book, this deadline is coinciding with graduation. Yeah. So Q is like, I have to go do this thing.
1: I'm skipping graduation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He manages um, to convince Ben and Radar to also skip graduation and go (laughs) with him. And Lacey comes along, too.
0: Yeah, so... He, oh God, I'm just like, Q, you're making... You're
1: ruining everyone's life. I know.
0: And, like, <laughs> all your friends' parents are going to be, like, so mad at you. I know. Like, what the fuck are you doing?
1: Yeah, like, those graduation photos, man.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's kind of absurd because, like, they had planned on, like, graduating while being naked under their robes. <laughs> so when they come up with this spontaneous plan... Yeah. And they all pile in the car, like... Ben and uh Radar, Radar. <laughs> are in their graduation gowns with nothing underneath <laughs> and Lacey's there too. So yeah. uh in the film though when they find out about this there is no deadline when, like in when the Marco's message. Leaving. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But they want to go immediately. Unfortunately prom is like in two Two days days? or one day like essentially they would have to leave now and be quick to be able to come back in time to get ready for prom yes with like 12 hours notice as radar puts (laughs) it because putting on a prom dress is a labor intensive time
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um they all decide to go in the movie and they have to be back in time for prom and so that's the time crunch for the movie Um, The movie also changes um, the crew coming along. Everybody from the book comes along. Ben, Radar, Lacey. But Angela comes as well.
0: I really loved this inclusion. I know. I thought it was great. I loved Radar, him going to talk to Angela. (laughs) And this like funny speech of him like admitting that he's kind of been hiding his friends from her. And he's like worried about losing her and shutting himself off from her. And I'm watching this scene in the movie and I'm like, what is this building off of her going yeah. towards? But then when she joins them on the trip, I'm like, oh, this is great. I like, know. what a good idea. Yeah,
1: I read that John Green actually was like, I wish I had thought to bring Angela <laughs> <laughs> on the road trip. <laughs> That's what I I'm like, boy, John Green should have done that. That's a really smart idea. Yeah, it's a really great, I, I love having like Lacey and Angela being together and yes. having that like girl camaraderie. It's not just Lacey with gross uh peeing in a beer, beer can ben
0: <laughs> yeah three three dudes in a van for an extended trip yeah i yeah. think it balances the dynamic a lot um so they are quickly and immediately on the road mm-hmm. going to Aglo, new york yes the first event that happens <laughs> is ben really has to pee yeah and has to pee in bottles or cans
1: yeah i think this makes sense in the movie because they just came off that party?
0: Oh yes. So Ben is yeah. still like
1: hungover yeah. from drinking all night. That so makes now sense. he's like, "Oh, I have to pee." Like he's just <laughs> not feeling well. <laughs> in the book it's just that Ben uh, just pees it's constantly. Just really well he's just hydrated. full of pee. Yeah.
0: Which is like something we don't we didn't know about him yeah. until now, but um, the scene is funny in both versions. Oh wait,
1: maybe Okay, this is just coming to me now. Okay. Maybe in the book, he always has to pee because maybe when he had the kidney infection, like he couldn't pee or something, and now he's really good about always
0: peeing. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. it's an interesting theory (laughs) relating to the kidney thing. Yeah. Yeah, like... The the scene is funny in both versions. I think in the movie it goes on like a little long, but yeah. the payoff at the end of the piece <laughs> splashing on radar is, is pretty good. I, <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, they have a heist set up a pit stop at the gas station where everyone has a mission yes they have to be in and out in like six minutes they have to, to stay. use the bathroom
1: they have to get gas they have to buy supplies yeah they need shirts for Ben and Radar in the movie because of the pee and in the book because <laughs> they have nothing else on under their graduation
0: robes yes <laughs> uh I you know I really did like a lot of this van stuff in the book as well yeah I like at one point he describes how the van becomes like a home. Yes,
1: and the different rooms. <laughs>
0: yes, like the front passenger seat is the den. Yeah. Uh the the bottom of the passenger foot area is like the what did he say? The desk. Yeah. Or the the drawing room or something. And the bedroom <laughs> is the back. And just kind of how even in a short I mean, it's not a short road trip, but, yeah. like, it already becomes, like, lived in. hmm Additionally, what else? Uh, oh, the... Oh, the
1: t-shirts. The t-shirts.
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, they grabbed not the best t-shirt, especially for radar, because yeah. it is a Confederate flag shirt <laughs> that says heritage not hate yes
1: uh i love that in the movie he just turns it inside out yes and in the book he just wears it i I i'm like what are you doing wear it inside out yeah
0: (laughs) yeah it was much smarter in the movie also
1: they're not wearing anything under their robe right why get shirts and not pants they get pants later.
0: They do the get pants later. But
1: like their priority was shirts first. I agree. And I'm like, pants first. Well,
0: my assumption was like, you probably can't buy pants at like a gas station.
1: But they do later. But then they do later. So yeah. I'm
0: like, could they have earlier?
1: Yeah. You Did know, that th- gas gas station just not have pants? Maybe.
0: The pants were w- would definitely be the priority <laughs> though, for sure. For me anyway. I yeah. don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a pants over shirt guy, I think. Um...
1: I think it's just kind of fun the way that all of them are bantering and kind of enjoying this road trip together, you know? It does remind me of going on road trips with friends, Um, even though I have never been on one this long before. It is kind of nice, like, playing songs on the radio, you know, um, playing, like, I spy games but making them stupid and, like, all the things that they're doing to pass the time.
0: And I like this idea of this Margot trip, uniting them in this way in a way that feels like it's equally beneficial to them all. Like, they're all enjoying this. Yeah. Whereas before up until this point, it's just Q...
1: Dragging everybody along. Yeah,
0: and it just feels like he's kind of, like, (laughs) taking advantage of his friends at this point to, like... Mm -hmm. And I mean, it still could be interpreted that way, but, like, it feels more like everyone's enjoying it, at least. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's, like, a fun teenage, like, high school thing to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's overall very... Some of my favorite parts in the book, I think. And movie, too, probably.
1: Definitely. Um, their fun and games are cut short because uh, Q almost hits a cow.
0: <laughs> yep. He <laughs> sure does.
1: And Ben grabs the steering wheel in time and saves them.
0: But yes. Fast <laughs> reflexes, Ben. Yeah. Uh, the book, it's like a much more intense moment. hmm Because they're like, we could have fucking died. Yeah. Like, we came really close to dying probably at least Q did yeah and they're like really shaken and I think Q even is like brought to tears kind of over it mm-hmm. like just they're shaken yeah um which I, I kind of liked this road trip kind of getting a bit of that wake-up call yeah in the book at least in the film it's more just like holy shit that happened and yeah them kind of congratulating Ben on saving them and that kind of thing mm-hmm. what is wrong with the van though? Flat tire. I was confused about. This.
1: Yeah, it. They never say what's wrong, but they they say that they had to call someone. Okay. And that somebody's coming.
0: I missed. I missed that part. Honestly, I thought they were just staying to sleep for a few hours. Okay.
1: Yeah, they were saying like they'll be here in a few hours or something. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, But this gives us a great moment, I think, in the film where it's like they kind of get to break off into groups, which they couldn't do otherwise. Yeah. So it starts off with Radar Ben and Q sitting by themselves and kind of just, like, realizing that, like, their time in high school together is coming to an end. Yeah. And kind of how sad this is. Mm -hmm. And that
1: the three of them are going to different colleges Mm -hmm. and they'll see each other again, but it won't be the same as as it is now, seeing each other every day at school, getting to hang out. And like, this is so familiar to all of us, right? Like, we've all had high school friends that we really liked. And like, while we didn't want to stay in high school, you know, that environment of seeing your friends every day and getting to talk and hang out and living close to all your friends as well, like is going to change yeah and you're gonna meet new people in college but like some of the relationships in high school will last and some of them won't it's just kind of sad
0: it's kind of bittersweet and like i cannot but think about this too because like radar has a semi-new girlfriend Mm -hmm. ben is like forming a relationship with lacy and i'm like why are you doing this at the end of high school
1: (laughs) not a good time like the
0: worst time to like get (laughs) in a relationship (laughs) save yourselves please
1: yeah speaking of which um Radar and Angela go off into the woods with a blanket. Yep, and uh, Radar confesses to her about the Black Santas.
0: I love the way this uh, the movie just cuts to them, and you—it's like the middle of the conversation, yes. and Angela is just like cracking up and <laughs> saying how it's like actually it's like really progressive if yeah. you think about it. And this idea of Santa Claus and him always being white, and um, this is just like a great scene between them. Mm-hmm. And then they start. Making out, mm-hmm. and you and I were like, "Are they gonna fuck?" And then it just like cuts away. <laughs> yeah. Um. But at this time, we also get a scene of Ben and Lacey mm-hmm. and I like the movie because in the book, Ben and Lacey are like definitely an item at this point. Yeah. Uh, they haven't like I, I don't think had sex or anything like that. But, but they they've like, kissed
1: and they're dating. They yeah, went to prom together. They're, they're like
0: officially dating. Mm-hmm. Um. But the movie takes it slower, which I, I think is to its benefit, yeah. you know, giving it time to, like—because Lacey is involved in the plot anyway. She's involved because of Margot, right? Yeah, yeah. So, like, it makes sense that, like, they're just going to be together so their relationship can be more of a slow-burning— Definitely. —figuring it out. And Ben kind of tells her the thing that she was telling Q she feels bad about, which he's like, you know, I— was kind of in love with you just because you're beautiful, but mm-hmm. like there's more to you that I really like. And yeah, what does he say? Like, I have to like fall in love with you, who you actually are now. Yeah, so I, I think that's from the movie, right? I
1: think so. Mm-hmm. Um, but
0: kind of a sweet moment and a sweet line between them. And- yeah,
1: and he ha- actually says this, I think, to Q in the book. When oh, they okay. driving. Yeah. Um, and just yes. says, because this is right before they almost hit the cow. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs>
1: and um, Ben is actually giving good advice to Q for mm-hmm. like a change and is like, listen, when I first, you know, thought I liked Lacey, like I just liked my image of her and what I had of her in my head, but now I'm like getting to know the real her. And he was just kind of saying like, make sure you're not idealizing Margot in your head in the same way that I was. Mm-hmm. And, Q doesn't want really want to listen to this, and this is when the, the cow comes up. Wasn't
0: <laughs> it at this point, too, when Q compares himself to Captain Ahab? Yeah. And I think it's Angela who's like, you know he wasn't the hero of that story, right? <laughs> and that's a carryover from the book, too. Yeah. Which, by the way, I, I'm not usually one to, like, point out, like, mistakes in mm-hmm. stories, but in the book – they start reading Moby Dick. Yeah. Like he he mentions, like, we're just starting to read Moby Dick. And I'm like, you have like
1: tw- <laughs> two weeks two left. weeks of high school left. What do you mean you're just starting
0: to read Moby Nobody Dick? Nobody
1: can start start reading Moby Dick, I no! end. And
0: I I just thought that was like really funny. That like, <laughs> I think it was just kind of an oversight or not thinking it through. But I'm like, that no one can just start reading that in two weeks <laughs> left of school and get anything out of it. But So, and then there's a scene the following morning.
1: After the car's been fixed.
0: Yes. Where uh, Q, Radar, and Ben are hanging out again. Mm -hmm. I love this so much because Ben is like, "Uh, I'm going to prom with Lacey and we kissed last night. (laughs) And he's like so excited about it. Uh And then Radar is like, I had sex with Angela. (laughs) 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 Just like, they don't really take it this way, but just him like... Stepping on Ben's moment and being like, I just had sex.
1: Uh, yeah, and I love the moment here between Lacey and Angela, <laughs> yeah. where they had uh, placed a bet on how long it would take Radar to <laughs> tell them that they had sex. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and just that obviously Angela told Lacey, yes. and that kind of must, like, almost like an off-camera moment for them, mm-hmm. that they're, like, confiding in that too. Yeah. Just, like, strengthening the bond of this group on this road trip. Definitely. I, I think this was all really well done.
1: Yeah. None of this is in the book, though. They um you know after the cow incident they get back on the road q finally goes to sleep and then they finally make their way to
0: aglow when they get there they discover like a barn Mm -hmm. that i guess is supposed to be like an old general store or something and they go inside and margo's fucking sitting there at a desk
1: and we are specifically talking about the book ending here. Yeah,
0: yeah. We'll just go through the whole book ending because it diverges pretty mm-hmm. strongly.
1: Yeah. So in the book, they get there. Margot's there in this abandoned barn situation. Yeah. She's cut her hair. It's
0: really bad. Yeah. <laughs> a- allegedly. <laughs> and she kind of seems dirty. Yeah and they're just like stunned and she seems like unfazed at first with them showing up yeah and is like hold on give me a minute to finish what i'm writing <laughs> and they're like what the fuck yeah uh and then things kind of go off the rails a little bit yeah it doesn't take long until Margot insults Lacey. yeah ben stands up for her and then Margot is like are you sleeping with this guy like are yeah. you serious like <laughs> Just starts, like, shitting on Ben immediately. I know, and
1: Lacey's like, you're you're a terrible person. I came all this way to find you, and, like, storms off. Yeah. yeah.
0: I liked Lacey getting this moment of just getting to tell her to her face. Yeah. That she's a bad friend. Yeah. And, like, I don't think this was conveyed very well in the book. Yeah. Because they leave uh, Lacey, Ben, and Radar, leave the barn. Yeah. But they left left? Like, did they get in the car?
1: Um, they said they went to, um, the motel, which I guess is nearby.
0: Did they pass that in the book or something or?
1: Well, they, they call or text Q. Yeah. They call him and they're like, we're at the motel.
0: Did they just walk there?
1: I think they drove. It must be like not that far for Q to walk. Because They wouldn't just like let him walk, yeah. But
0: they took his car,
1: I think so. I just
0: thought this was like <laughs> I thought they just walked outside, yeah. And then the next like a-, a page or two later, they get a text like, We're at the motel. I'm like, What
1: motel? Wait, yeah, where are you? I agree, it was confusing. Um, but Lacey and Margot seem to make up over the phone,
0: yeah. But we was...
1: don't really get to hear
0: that conversation. No, I would have liked that to be in person, yeah, more, it would have felt better, mm-hmm. but. Um, Margo chills out a little bit at this point. <laughs> like she is like,
1: I know, raging.
0: She like grabs Q by his shirt and is like yelling, yelling at him. Yeah. And she's
1: like, why did you come after me? Like, why did you like, do you want to bring me back? I'm not going back. Like all this stuff.
0: There's something I like about this in that it it's unsettling. To discover her in this state. Yeah. Like dirty. Mm-hmm. She talks about like there's an outhouse that she uses, but it's not very good. So she like goes to this truck stop Yeah. to like shower and use the bathroom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But is mainly living in this like old barn. Yeah. And there's just kind of this like manic mental uh mental illness aspect to it. Yes. Where I can so easily see Margot being homeless. Like I mean, she is at yeah, this point. Yeah. But like truly not having a car or mm-hmm. like any housing or money or anything in like a couple years, if that.
1: Yeah. And I mean her plan is to go to New York City after this.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, no thoughts about what she's gonna do. And, you know, Q wants her to come back with him and he's like, Listen, you know, my parents said you could stay with us, you don't have to go back to your parents, like you could get a job like we could go to college together or you could decide what you want to do. And she's just like, I can't go back. Like I had to leave that 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 life behind. And she kind of talks about this is where that her saying that she was a paper girl comes in. And she says, like, I there's this myth about me. People only saw like the legend of Margot Roth Spiegelman. And they didn't see the real me, and I kind of cultivated that in certain ways, but also I couldn't escape it, and I just needed to get out. But I think what you said about there being a manicness to her is so true, and there is an aspect of mental illness in her character yeah. that really is not talked about at all. No, no. In either the book or the movie.
0: Yeah, like, the book is still taking this kind of, like, free spirit.
1: Romantic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Side of it. And, like, they're acknowledging that, like, yeah, she's more complex than just, like, being Q's ideal girl. Or Manic yeah. Pixie Dream Girl. But, like, it doesn't go far enough to be, like, she needs help.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, nobody is, like... This is a girl who needs to be in therapy. Yeah. This is a girl who needs somebody who cares about her and is looking out for her and like her parents aren't it. Yeah. You know, um, her friends apparently aren't doing it for her. Nobody in, you know, the school, the teachers, the counselors, nobody was like, this is alarming.
0: And I mean, I understand it's a tough situation. She is eighteen. You Mm -hmm. can't like physically drag her, you know. But she's run
1: away. This is her fifth time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So the school and her parents had all this time to be like, "Oh, there's something wrong."
0: Yes. But up up until this point, yeah, for sure. Like there were so many outlets and things that like could have been done, Mm -hmm. um, routes to therapy or you know healing that she clearly needed in her life, some kind of intervention. Yeah. Um, I
1: don't even think Q understands.
0: No, no. That
1: she's not just this cool girl. Like she, and it's fine to to want to maybe like live an unconventional life, but like I really do think that she needed help.
0: It's, it's the isolation more than anything yeah. that is like very unsettling to her character in this mm-hmm. way. The fact that she's like fine living in like a dirty, rotten shack yeah. by herself.
1: You know what's interesting, Ian, is I read that John Green was drawing from a few different sources when he wrote this book, but something that he was inspired by was Into the Wild.
0: Mmm, interesting.
1: Yeah. And huh. we did an episode on that, and like part of the kind of myth of um Alex or Chris. Um, who's the main character, like the real person that the Into the Wild story is based on, um, was that he really didn't have a reason. He just like wanted to be out alone, right? Yeah. And he needed to like prove it to himself. But like further digging in reading a book, you know, by his sister and watching some documentaries about him revealed a really incredibly traumatic childhood. Yeah. And some deep-seated... Uh, emotional issues and maybe mental illness as well. So I think there's this idea that like, there are these people that just want to go out and be alone and like live this romanticized dream. But I think the reality is that most often there is some, there are some really deep issues there.
0: Well, and it, it's a, a matter of risking your life, yeah. right? Like you're putting yourself in danger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's varying degrees of that. And, like, you can argue that, like, people who do kind of extreme sports or, like, there are things yeah. that we socially accept as being, like, okay. Yeah. But, like, regardless, living this lifestyle – like, she's in a place and situation where she's completely vulnerable, that mm-hmm. so many things could happen. Like, she's kind of living this life of putting herself at risk, essentially. Yeah. And that there's something, at least in her situation, that seems not healthy about that.
1: Yeah, I, I agree.
0: She talks a little bit more about her original plan, which was she just wanted to leave after graduation. Yeah. Um, But that... When she found out about Jace cheating on her, it kind of, like, was the final straw. And mm-hmm. she's like, I can't stay here one more minute. Yeah. And so she kind of changed her plan.
1: Which, if you think about it, was her plan always that she was going to, like, put a bunch of fishes in her friend's stuff? Yeah, what was... Or was she going to do something else?
0: Because besides the Sea World thing... Yeah. Like, 90% of that plan... Was to get revenge on her friends. Was being shitty to her friends. <laughs> I completely agree. I thought the exact same thing. Uh, she also talks about this, like, notebook and this, like, story that she wrote mm-hmm. about her and Q when, when she was younger and that, like, he was this kind of, like, adventurous kind yeah. of, like, love interest like, her fictional version of herself mm-hmm. and kind of this, like, mystery story. And I think the point of it is to just be, like, she also had this idea in her head of who she thought Q was. yeah, But then she didn't think he was that way until the night they went out together. Mm -hmm. And she's like, wow, he is actually more... Like a
1: real person, right? Yeah, and
0: adventurous than I would Mm -hmm. have given him credit for. And her kind of maybe having some doubts at that point about like actually leaving.
1: Yeah, and she wanted to give him the clues so he would find the mini mall and maybe find a place to hang out and be moody just like her. She (laughs) didn't really want him to find her. Um, And him finding her was just something that, like, he kind of figured out on his own. Um, And they go into a field. They nap a bit there. They end up burying her notebook together in some kind of symbolic gesture. Um, There's a few different, like, metaphors, too, about, like, what it's like to try to connect with someone and have an idea of who someone is.
0: Yeah, and this ties heavily into Walt Whitman's poem, Leaves of Grass, Yeah, which I I haven't read. I really want to. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been referenced in so many things. But this idea of the interconnectivity of people and how we understand and relate to different people Mm -hmm. and what, like, literally ties us together. Yeah. And I think the book, the whole book is meant to be kind of an exploration of this because... Q in his searching for Margot is like reconsidering how he thinks about her and mm-hmm. like trying to relate to her more yeah and at this point we're kind of getting a culmination of this idea about can you ever truly know anyone and i like too that he talks about like you know he's had this idea in his head of Margot, right yeah which has clearly been like very wrong and kind of like bad for him mm-hmm. but i think he the he also admits and it's true that like That's kind of human nature, and you almost have to have this idea in your head of who someone is. Mm -hmm. Like, you can never know them, so you're naturally going to fill in the gaps in your head of who they are. Mm -hmm. And it also talks a lot about metaphor, and how we kind of have to be careful about how we think of people through metaphor. Mm -hmm. Because Margot, early on in the story, when talking about the man who killed himself, talked about, like, all his strings breaking. yeah. And Q kind of talks about how that's a dangerous metaphor to use because it implies that, like, there's this damage that can be done to us that can never be undone. Yeah. And that we're only, like, so many strings away from, like,
1: killing, killing ourselves. ourselves or, yeah. like,
0: harming ourselves and that, like, damage to us isn't that, like, permanent and mm-hmm. that we can heal and, like, improve from it. Yeah. Um and then comparing that to, like, uh, Whitman's analogy of, like, we're, us being all blades of grass and mm-hmm. we're all connected. But, like, that not being totally true because you can never truly be anyone. Yeah. Um. I just kind of thought this was an interesting exploration of not only how we relate to people, but, like, through metaphor. And how
1: we talk about it, how we write yes. about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I liked this part a lot.
1: I agree. Um, and then the book ends with Q and Margot kissing. Mm-hmm. Margot asks if he wants to come with her to New York City, and he says no. And they promise to call and write each other, and they say goodbye. Yeah. That's the end.
0: But in Q's head, as she says this, he kind of doubts it too. Yeah. Like, I don't know if she ever will actually reach back out to me. And I like the acknowledgement. Yeah. Because kind of furthering that idea of like, she doesn't seem like she's in a great place, and like, who knows where she'll be mm-hmm. or. Um, this really might be the last time they see each other. Yeah. So let's talk about the movie.
1: Yes. Very different. They get to the abandoned barn where they think Margot is staying. um, And she's not there.
0: No, it's just an abandoned barn. I don't think she was ever there. Yeah. Um, And they search around and don't find any clues or Mm -hmm. anything. And they're kind of waiting for a minute. But then Radar is like, We can't wait any longer. Yeah. If if we're going to stick to our schedule, which we all agreed on to get back in time for prom, we have to go home now. Mm -hmm. And Q (laughs) decides to be a whiny bitch and is like, I'm not going anywhere.
1: Yeah. She's here. She's going to come back. I know she will. This is like very delusional of him. Like, I know she's waiting for me. And finally, he's like, I'm not leaving and they have to leave without him.
0: I'm I'm very torn about this, because on one hand, Q is just being, like, really unreasonable and shitty. Yeah. But on the other hand, his friends leave him. I know. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Without a car. I know. Or, like, anything. I
1: know. They're like, okay, bye. Bye. You'll (laughs) find your way back to Florida. I mean, he says I'll take a bus. Yeah. But, like, still. There's a long way
0: to get to even the bus station, though. I know. Yeah. Like, I, I was like... I don't blame you because Q's being so annoying and unreasonable, but also you just left your good friend yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's what happens. They leave with his car. Mm-hmm. And so Q, I, I sort of got it. seems like he waits around for another hour and he's yeah. like, all he's right, like, I okay, should go
1: home. <laughs> He doesn't wait that much longer. No. He goes to the next town. He walks there and is buying a bus ticket when he sees Margot.
0: Yeah. Walk past a window. In
1: the town. And, you know, he calls out to her, Margot, And she's like so surprised to see him. And this is where in the movie he says, I'm in love with you. Yep. And she's like. Ooh.
0: <laughs> no. And she
1: confronts him about it. she's like. You're in love with a fantasy. Yeah. You're like, you don't know who I am. And she says, I don't even know who I am. Yeah,
0: I like that line a lot.
1: Yeah. And just telling him that, like, um, I'm not who you think and I don't want you to be my hero and, like, save me. And this isn't how this, like, romantic story ends.
0: Yeah. And, you know, Margot seems to be in a better – I mean, granted, we really don't know much about her situation. Like, she seems to – be clean and, like, not... <laughs> she's in-
1: living in a town, right? She's not living in the barn. Right,
0: yeah. I, I mean, that's the implication is that she's living, like, I don't know, in a, an apartment or something.
1: Yeah, she can afford milkshakes because she <laughs> buys uh, one for yes. him. So, yeah, it it seems a little more stable, and she also seems really chill. Like, she's not really angry at him.
0: No, she's not, like, raving.
1: Yeah, she is upset about, like, the him being in love with her and, and confronts him about that, but she's not, like, grabbing his shirt and shaking him. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm like, what is this? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Please chill. <laughs>
0: um, and in this version, it's a little bit different. She says she just left the clues so they would know she's okay. Yeah. Which I'm like, uh, yeah. Right. Okay, okay. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> um, but yeah, they kind of she's like i don't really want to go home she yeah. agrees to like call her sister or no she says she has been in contact with her sister yeah which i kind of thought was a funny
1: yeah like the sister reveal. was in on it the yes, whole time
0: <laughs> yeah 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 i kind of enjoyed that but um they end up parting ways and mm-hmm. he kind of realizes like the the hammer finally falls and he's like oh i get it yeah i don't actually know you
1: they do kiss They do. Yeah.
0: I don't like this as much in the movie. I think, like, the book gives enough context to their kiss Mm -hmm. and her offer of him to come with her that it feels, like, sad and, like, not totally sincere. Yeah. Or, like, it would never happen. Whereas when I saw it in the movie, it felt like she would still fuck him. Like, it felt like it was, like, he's still cool enough that she would have sex yeah. with him, and that's all he really needs, you know? I was like, eh, I don't. Yeah. After everything we just went through I to know. be, like, you don't know me, I need to be on my own. I know.
1: I'm like, why do they have to kiss?
0: I know. And for her to be like, you want to come along?
1: Yeah. It's like, no, we just got, we just went over this. Yeah, you just told him. <laughs> I know, I agree. Um, But he goes back and somehow makes it in time for prom, man. i
0: What? Why? How? how? How?
1: How? How?
0: I mean, look, I've never taken a bus across the country.
1: Yeah. But they make several stops.
0: Y- yes. <laughs> a multitude of stops. And I know that the friends wanted to get there like 12 or 10 hours before prom began. So that yeah. gives them like a good stretch But
1: they of were time. running out of time throughout the movie. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. And like, I know he gets through there th- for prom like midway but yeah regardless it we'll
1: let it slide we'll go, yeah. he does say in the end that like the miracle is his friends and yeah. this community that he's built and i think it is a really sweet moment when he sees them at prom and they're all together and like you can tell they were like a little mad but then like they bring him into the dance circle and they're yeah. all dancing together
0: i i really like this being the final message like focusing on this aspect yes because the Book doesn't really like it ends with him and Margo and
1: kissing and yeah. kissing. And then like the
0: friends are just gone. Yeah. So I like the movie refocusing it to being like, and he goes to prom with
1: his friends, with his
0: friends. He goes to graduation. Yeah. Like, and
1: then the final scene is the moment between Radar Ben and Quentin where the three of them are parting. Uh, radar gives them black santas to remember him by but like they're hugging and it just really feels uh like you know it's the ending of high school right yeah ending of this era for them and they're making it and marking it as important
0: yeah and that's the end of the film in both versions Mm -hmm. and uh which one was better
1: i am really torn on this one ian
0: i'll i'll go first (laughs) okay because I, I think I know. Okay. I could be convinced otherwise, <laughs> but uh, I'm going to go with the movie on this one. Okay. So, I think the book was good um, in that, like, it did explore some interesting topics. Yeah. Like, how we're interconnected with people, how we see other people, mm. and, like, that whole thing. I, I, I like... The whole Margot living in like kind of a fucked up solitude. Yeah. Kind of lifestyle that doesn't seem, even though it doesn't adequately address that. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think the movie should have done this. No. But I think it's interesting that the book did it. Um, and, you know, I think the book does touch on a lot of topics that go far beyond just like being in high school and yeah. graduating and all that stuff. Um, however, there's such a long stretch of the book That is just Hugh (laughs) being moody and brooding. And
1: being at the mini mall. (laughs) Being
0: at the mini mall, brooding. and Yeah, being mean to his friends. Being mean to his friends and not really, like, acknowledging them or... Yeah. and, And it's just... And just constantly thinking about Margot doing nothing yeah. he has nothing in his life but thinking about Margot, where is she? What's she doing? Is she dead? I don't think she's dead anymore. I bet she's <laughs> doing this thing and like boy, you did you know Margot's a person? Like I just realized that Margot's a human being yeah. <laughs> like I think these ideas are interesting, and if they were woven into a broader story of like Q having a life outside of this. Yeah. It could have worked a lot better. But and honestly, addressing
1: Margot's mental illness.
0: Yes. But like, so much of this book is just hammering away at Q being moody and thinking about Margot, Yeah. That it just kind of was like, not enjoyable for a long portion. Yeah. I think it gets back into interesting stuff at the end, but I don't think it was enough for me to, like, fully enjoy the book.
1: Yeah, you know, I think I agree with you because- the movie isn't like excellent. No. But it's enjoyable. It's funny. Yeah. And I think the whole time it, you know, keeps the pace up. Yes. So it does it, it is an enjoyable watch. Yeah. Um and I really liked the dynamics between the main characters mm-hmm. and the friends and the road trip and bringing Angela along yeah. and all that. So I and think I'm going to agree and Q, with you. cue not missing
0: prom and yeah. graduation. Like, and I'm really,
1: still, yeah, giving importance to those moments.
0: Yeah, I think it fixed a lot of that stuff that I had issue with in the mm-hmm. book. And, like, I think the movie doesn't... The movie does settle in a little bit more into like the classic high school graduation. Yeah. Tropes. Like it, it isn't like saying that much more outside of those things, which we've seen a lot of. Yeah. So it's not breaking any new ground. No. But I think it tells that story fairly effectively. Mm-hmm. And Q is much less insufferable yeah. in the film. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with the film on this one.
1: Yeah. All right. It's a movie from both of us. Yeah. Um, So before we do lightning round, I just want to read some of our patrons' thoughts on uh, Paper Towns. So uh, this is from our uh, patron, Ertha, who requested this episode, and she wrote an entire write-up that we're going to post on our Patreon for everyone to read, but I'm just going to read portions of what um, she wrote to us. I don't remember when I first read Paper Towns, but it was published in 2008 in the US, so I'm guessing I read it around that time when I was 14 or 15. It was the first John Green book I read, and I loved it pretty much right away. I didn't discover his other books until years later. My favorite part is the road trip at the end. I would pick the book up and just flip to that section to reread it. I wished for my own adventures like Hugh, Radar, Lacey, and Ben had, on a road trip with a couple friends, driving around, exploring the world, and getting into minor mischief. The funniest part is halfway through the road trip. I was laughing so much I had to stop reading to catch my breath. Q is driving down a deserted road at 3 a.m. and almost hits a cow that has wandered into the middle of the road. They miraculously survive, and after a few moments to check that everyone's okay, they hear a liquid leaking from the minivan and all rush out in a panic. The beer's all broke, he says again, and nods towards the split open cooler, gallons of foamy liquid pouring out from inside it. We try to call Ben, but he can't hear us because he's too busy screaming, it's gonna blow as he races across the field. His graduation robe flies up in the gray dawn, his bony bare ass exposed.
0: (laughs) I did love that part too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And you know, she's just commenting on how John Green makes these really funny situations. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, one of the concepts discussed throughout the book is a metaphor to try and make sense of feelings of depression, hopelessness, isolation, and suicidal thoughts or tendencies. Um, There's also the experience of seeing the true soul of another person and that person seeing your soul back. There are a few different metaphors that the book and characters bounce in between. First, we have strings that can break. Second, that we are ships and can sink. Um, Third is from Whitman's Leaves of Grass that compares humans to grass, saying each of us is a blade and we are all interconnected through our roots. So kind of going back to what you were saying earlier, Ian. Eartha concludes by saying, I still like the book, but as a 27-year-old, I feel like I've outgrown it. Since I think the film was a pretty faithful adaptation, I suspect I will feel the same about it as well. I really enjoyed rereading it for this episode and look forward to hearing your thoughts on both the book and movie.
0: That's that's interesting. Yeah. I kind of agree that, like, I think it's interesting to read this as an adult. Yes. And to see why it would appeal to teenagers, mm-hmm. but also to, just, also to see, like, the faults in that. Yeah. Like it kind of leaning into, like, the melodrama of it without adequately, like, addressing certain issues, like you were talking about with the mental illness. Yeah. Yeah, so, but I'm really glad that we got to talk about this. We got to talk about John Green. Mm -hmm. So uh, thank you again, Ertha, for uh, suggesting this one.
1: Yeah, let's do lightning round. Let's
0: do lightning. First up for lightning round, uh, we have to address Q's mom in the film (laughs) because she is far oh my god far too young and attractive
1: yeah like they keep mentioning in the book that q's mom is hot yeah but like you can be hot and be an appropriate age to have like an 18 year old child
0: also like it's been talking about it in the book so it's like yeah i kind of just see it as like he's kind of just being a jerk yeah and his mom could like not be like unusually attractive or anything i know but i mean <laughs> like god she is just way too gorgeous really young in the movie and young yeah <laughs> uh
1: so uh lightning round item for from the movie when they go to their first pit stop gas station the camera pans up and who is the cashier it's ansel elgort who of course was the main character from the fault in our stars which the movie came out previous to this one so i guess they just wanted to be like and it's ansel elgort <laughs> uh-huh.
0: well it's funny because like when the camera tips up to him yeah i was like Wait, has he been in anything before this? Like, I yeah. forgot he was in Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> and I'm like, but clearly they're making it seem like he's someone. Like, it's yeah. a reveal. So. Just a
1: nod to people have seen, who have seen that movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, there's a funny part in the book and movie, but I think it's better in the book where, um, at the party, Ben makes a beer sword. Yes. Where they, like, super glued beer cans together into <laughs> a sword. And he's, like, insisting on knighting uh, Q. And he's just being so drunk and annoying. And they try to take the sword out of his hand and they like kind of break it up. But the can that was the handle is super glued to Ben's hand. (laughs) And they just like are like, fuck it. Like, Like, we'll just just...
1: leave it on. (laughs) Uh, Next for lightning round in the book, Q gets a car for graduation. Um, but his parents get him a minivan, so <laughs> yeah. he's been driving his mom's minivan around. That's the car he takes with Margot on her adventures. And so then his parents are like, "You seem to enjoy driving it around so much. We got you a minivan, your <laughs> own minivan."
0: <laughs> and that's the one they take on the road trip in the book. Yeah, wood. yeah. This was actually a scene filmed for the movie. And funny enough, it is the first thing in the trailer. For the movie, oh yeah, but it never made the final cut of the film.
1: That's so funny. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, that is it for lightning round. Thank you again to ertha for suggesting this episode. Yeah, I think we'll definitely do probably Fault in Our Stars at least at some point.
1: Definitely. And if you have an episode you would love us to do, you can just become a patron on Patreon, and all our patrons are able to request episodes whenever um and you can do that over on patreon you can also follow us on instagram twitter and facebook
0: yes uh and if you're listening on apple podcasts leaving us a recommend or i'm sorry leaving us a star review (laughs) or just a positive review in general is super helpful and just helps us with our stats and ratings on that platform so uh thank you again for listening to this episode we'll see you next time
1: see you next time Bye. bye